0: Hello and welcome to a slightly revamped industry review podcast. Instead of giving a simple preview of the next edition of the magazine, we're going to go into a little more detail about specific articles and topics, as well as highlight key trends within the industry over recent months. I say we, because although we have made some slight changes, one thing that will never change is my co-host Claire Aldridge. Hi Claire.
1: So no simile?
0: No simile, it's all professional now.
1: Ah okay one change that i'm not so sure about this time is we're actually sitting in the same room this recording hi hi
0: five i mean that's not professional (laughs) but i mean being in the same room means that we can just have a bit more of a conversational talk rather than the awkward back and forth we have all got used to on zoom or team calls
1: also means we don't have to have those awkward pauses.
0: Yes, but we do end up, we'll probably end up talking over each other. True. I mean, Claire, what's your takeaway from working on the May issue?
1: I think my takeaway this issue is that everybody is more than ready now for Wire in Dusseldorf. The last show was back in 2018, and from reading the articles in the Fastener Machinery Spotlight, It's clear that companies have used this time to invest in their technologies and innovations, ready to showcase at the show.
0: Yeah, it really underlines how the fastener machinery sector is looking to move towards Industry 4.0 and automation to help not only streamline processes, but also to make it easier for companies to attract operators. Um, Because obviously the automation makes it easier to train them on machinery and they don't necessarily need the experience.
1: Yeah, you're definitely right. I actually had the pleasure of speaking with Jerry Bupp, the VP Sales, Operations and Marketing at National Machinery, who told me a little more about their plans for the show. Here's a clip.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll actually have physically two machines there. We'll have um, a smart uh, thread roller. We'll have uh, a machine from uh, Nash Machinery that will be all new. And we're going to leave that for a surprise for the show. But if people stop by the booth, um, it's going to be a combined header and threader. Um, that'll be great for the industry to see. And then we'll also be um, offering a product of a Formax Lightning, which means lightning fast. And uh, that's a double stroke header that's gonna be able to help with some of the reshoring initiatives that we see a lot of customers have and to be able to make some smaller screws and components very, very fast.
0: It's interesting to hear they will have a surprise at the show. Is this the first show since the pandemic?
1: No, actually, National have done some small shows across America, but it's their first show that they'll be taking machinery to. When we spoke, Jerry was very keen to express how important these kinds of shows are for the company. Here's Jerry again.
2: Well, really, it's nice to just make contact with customer base, and then also when we have new things to show them that will help with their production and with their efficiencies that we can actually show them in person, uh, they can ask questions about that and have a little bit of show and tell as far as the equipment and demonstrations, so that's always valuable.
0: Along with talking about Dusseldorf, did Jerry have anything to say regarding what is happening within the North American market?
1: Well, yes, actually, we discussed the trend for reshoring and how National is helping with this trend. Uh, here's Jerry explaining a little bit more.
2: So we've seen customers, um, pretty commonly in both Europe and in North America, that want to reshore, meaning they're bringing parts back to that continent that were made uh, overseas at some location, and. Uh, That's become uh, more prevalent because a combination of shipping issues, obviously, and also pricing pressures and the timing deliveries with those shipments. And so um, some of the equipment that we're going to be showing in particular is going to be very targeted to some of the specific applications that we've seen customers want to reshore. So again, smaller components, smaller fasteners and screws have been something that uh, seems to be some key components, and that's what we're trying to address with that market need.
1: So all in all, a company who are definitely ready for visitors in Dusseldorf. As well as speaking to Jerry. I also had the pleasure of speaking to technical sales manager Vitaly Panning at Bass and how the company has extended its product range for tapping in the fastener industry. Here's a clip.
3: So... In general, um, we have um, a lot of experiences um, in this kind of market. A few years ago, uh, we we started to, to produce their special uh, tabs, and we have a lot of experience until now. Um, we or the the, the benefit um, what we have um, for the nut industry, we work uh, with uh, we call it AMGB we. Uh, so this is a special screw system uh, for nut um, for nut tapping. It works with a with a cartridge. Yeah? So the tap and the benching is connected um, with a cartridge, and this cartridge is. Um, um, how can I say it? It's like a, it works like a de- definite uh, breaking point. Uh, so the tap um, is um, during during its um, use and it get wearings. Um, the torque arise. This is normally for a tap. And um, after this uh, definite torque in the cartridge is exceeded, the cartridge is going to break. So you, uh, this allow you that um, if you then need a new tab, you can change only the tab in front and can um, use the shank a couple of times. Yeah, and um, this, of course, has a benefit um, at first that you save money and um, save your costs. And um, also it's uh, good for the environment um, because um, you need uh, not so much um, <coughs> steel, not so much um, yeah, uh, material to to produce it, and so that's one of our main benefit. And now we exceeded uh, also our our dimension range. Um, for now, was new development. Um, it is uh, possible for us to produce the size M8. Um, so all. All people which are familiar with this kind um, of system, they know that the benching system, a small dimension, is uh, um, get some more challenges uh, to produce it, and and made is uh, possible. Huh? In general, we have a really wide um, range um, for this kind of tabs, um, special tabs with a with a reaming point in in front of the um, of the shank, we have um, in front of the tab, and um, special designs also for really tough materials um, in, in the nut industry with special jam designs and so on and yeah like i said we have a lot of good experiences in, in this kind of market and um, we are all looking forward to, uh, to talk with our existing customers but also with potential new customers at the at the trade show again yeah?
1: He also, like everyone else, has echoed why being in front of people at shows is something the company has missed and is looking forward to doing again.
3: Yeah, because um, I think it's um, pretty important um, that you get in connection uh, with with the people, that um, you can talk with the the people, talk about new designs, talk about the general benefits um, of um, your products, uh, but um, also to see uh, what um, what kind of news or new products um, as also our our partners there because we work also with a lot of um, machine producers um, especially for this uh, kind of nut uh, machines um, together and um, yeah it's um, important and um, interesting for us um, to see what's new there and and um, like i told you to be in general contact with them
0: talking of being at shows you will also be attending dusseldorf are are you looking forward to the show
1: yes uh while actually mark my first trip to visit companies since the pandemic hit us back in march 2020 so if you see me in the aisles please make sure you come and say hello We are just going to stop the podcast there to hear from our sponsor for this episode. Do your fasteners need more slip? The Tectorius Tech Slip line of dry film lubricants are highly engineered and refined friction modification coatings that have been specifically developed for special use and high-demand environments. From the smallest screws in your personal electronic devices to large bolts for bridge and building construction and everything in between. Tectorius Tech Slip. Many grades, for any purpose.
0: Uh, We've talked about investments made in the machinery sector, and another area where there has been substantial investment is the Turkish fastener market, which is highlighted in our Made in Turkey feature. Whilst COVID-19 has certainly affected the country, it did not have such a significant impact as it did in other countries. In fact, Besiad, the Turkish Fastener Manufacturers Association, points out that the Turkish economy managed to grow 11% last year and is expected to grow 5% in 2022. Um, the Turkish fastener manufacturing sector also saw positive growth of 10% over the last two years.
1: The association has also set itself some ambitious growth targets for the next few years, right?
0: That's right. At the moment, the Turkish fastener market produces around 1 million tonnes annually, but the aim is to double this to 2 million. As mentioned, with the amount of investments being made at companies, it seems like this is an achievable target. From those companies within the Made in Turkey feature alone, there has been investment in some major equipment such as heat treatment furnaces, hot dipped galvanization lines, alkali zinc coating lines, multi-stroke cold headers as well as several expansions in facilities and employees.
1: I think some of the companies have also said that they're receiving new interest from companies as a result of the anti dumping duties announced on certain iron or steel fasteners from China.
0: Yes, with Turkey's location, it certainly has an advantage when it comes to the duties and potentially stepping in as an alternative supplier to customers. Um, Another big positive that Turkey has is its own domestic raw material sources, which puts it in a strong position. For instance, Turkish faster manufacturers have not been as impacted by the shortage of raw materials that other manufacturers and companies have seen over the last six to nine months. Similarly, Turkish companies have not been impacted by the container freight issues due to its location and ability to supply products via road into Europe middle east and even africa
1: as much as we could i don't think we need to go into too much detail about freight and raw materials Uh, you've recently done a podcast about these very topics with jeff yates at espas europe where he discusses the situation in sea and road freight since the beginning of the year Uh, you also spoke to cru group about the developments within wire rod and steel long products
0: Yes, and unsurprisingly, it has proved very popular with listeners who have been keen to find out all they can on both issues and how things might develop in the future. And for those of you who haven't uh, listened yet, firstly, why not? And secondly, you are definitely missing out. Um, I'd recommend either go through the archive on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, or visit FasterAndFixIt.com, or you can click on the link for the description of this podcast and there will be a link there so you can click straight through to it.
1: And if you're sitting there listening and maybe a little unsure of why raw material prices matter so much we have quite an interesting article in the May issue from the Nickel Institute looking at the role of nickel in stainless steel and why it's so crucial. As well as this raw material is also something you discussed with your uh, interview with Rolf Ritter, the CSO, MA and business development at Bossard, but it didn't quite end up making it into the final article.
0: Yes, you know what it's like. We have these in depth discussions with people on such a wide variety of topics that it's not always possible to include everything. Um, the article in the magazine focuses on Bossard's commitment to value added services and how they can help streamline customer supply chains. However, um exclusively for this podcast. Here is Rolf talking about raw material issues and labour shortages and how Bossard has managed the situation.
4: So I mean the, the prices absolutely have been impacted. So so as you said, I mean raw material is going up. I mean nickel, which has talked before it went completely through the roof. Energy prices are going up, which has a has an implication. So so demand is up, so which has an implication too on the prices. So we see that definitely that prices are going up. We believe they will continue to go up a, a bit. We thought so six months ago that you know we, we you know probably about this time now maybe one or two months back we would get to the peak more or less and it would stabilize, but that has not happened. Uh, so it continues to go up uh, on that side. So, so I think I think we will see a little bit prices still going up a little bit uh, as we go forward. On the labor shortages side, uh, on our end, so far we have managed uh, pretty well. It's an issue, there's so no doubt about it, but we have a very long-term approach as well to the way we manage our company, the way uh, we manage uh, our people. Um, I think we've been able with this as well to create a lot of trust uh, between between uh, 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 everybody. Uh, during COVID, we did not uh, let go of one single person due to, to the reduction in sales we had at that period of time. Not just out of business perspective, but as well, because we really truly believe that With the people, we want to build a better company going forward uh, into the future, and we trust uh, our our people. And I think this is paying off as well in that situation now that that people tend to stay with us, even though labor markets are more difficult uh, uh, right now. We see that hiring new people is a challenge. Uh, We are growing a lot. So that's a challenge. We offset it partially by becoming more digitized, by becoming more efficient. But as well, we strongly hiring as well, uh, additional people. And it is a challenge, it's no doubt.
1: Rolf also discussed another topic we spoke about earlier, which is the logistics issues companies are currently facing.
0: Yes, he did. Again, here is an exclusive audio clip of him talking about the logistic issues currently in the market and again, how Bossard is, is approaching them.
4: Mm, I I mean, I think it's been a a huge issue for for everybody Mm -hmm. uh, uh, involved. I mean, we buy a lot in in, in Asia, we sell all over the world. uh, So we have a lot of logistical topics, uh, which are very relevant for our business. And we see like everybody else that our uh, our delivery times from our suppliers have gone up fundamentally over the last uh, couple of months. Now, we've always run uh, again in, as well in that part uh, let's call it evaluated strategy for our customers so our goal was always to make sure that we have products available for the customer when when they need it so we've always run a multi-source strategy for for all products allowing us to if, if for example during lockdown even uh, uh, China was down we could get our products from somewhere else when when somewhere else was down China was back up so so to to shift. Or purchasing uh, around, so we're not at the level we would love to be. So we're not at uh, uh, with all products on the stock levels where we would like it to be, which would be perfect uh, level. Uh, but so far, to my knowledge, we have not had one single situation where we stopped uh, the production at any of our customers. So we have managed through our structural multi sourcing, preventive purchasing. That the customers were always served. Maybe looking forward, and we had the question there as well. I think it will remain tense as we go forward. And we've just seen again in in, in China that uh, uh, lockdown measures are being put back in place again, uh, which 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 might will have an impact again on supply. Uh, supply has been tense in itself already with with increased demand, with the supply chain issues, with uh, additional out of China, with uh, anti-dumping, which makes. Demand move around. So I think forward, looking forward, it will remain very tense. So far, we think we are able to manage it. We we are not concerned in that sense that we will have negative implications on supply to our customers. But we do see that we have price implications.
1: We have another exclusive for the podcast, and that is an interview you conducted with Anders Carlson, president of efi the European Industrial Fasteners Institute. Bill, you discussed developments in the market since the beginning of the year. Here is Anders talking about how the year has progressed for EFI's members and big factors since the beginning of the year.
5: Yeah, we have a very big new factor that wasn't clear at that time, and it was Ukraine. That has happened uh, now, and it's uh, wrecking uh, the that, possibilities to work with energy prices, working with steel. It's uh, a lot of un- Predictable things that are happening all the time then. And that's the difficult things. And then this same thing has happened with the pandemic in China has turned up. We have a number of boats lying out of China. So it's difficult to get components into Europe. And the shortage of chips uh, for the automotive industry is uh, yeah, not just the automotive. There's several type of industries that it's uh, affecting.
0: Mm-hmm. And what does that mean for Efi members? Kind of, does it provide difficulties with them? Kind of, because their customers are facing those difficulties.
5: Yes, uh, we have a number of down days. I think we lost in the world uh, three, four million cars in last year, and it probably be a lot of production lost in uh, the first half of this year. Uh, some people said that this was going go away very quickly. I do not think that at all. I think it will continue for quite a while. And uh, uh, we've seen, uh, I mean, there are statistics about how many uh, cars are being lost in the world. I haven't got what how much it was for the first quarter, but I think it was a number of them.
0: And obviously, you mentioned energy prices then, how that's impacting kind of companies. Um, how the shortages in raw materials, as well as kind of the price increases, impacted European fastener manufacturers?
5: It's cutting the margins, of course, bottom line. Uh, it's very difficult to recover this. I think the steel prices, uh, we have uh, methods of handling with automatic increases, even if they are probably a quarter after the actual increases have taken place. But the secondary inflation that is turning up here from, uh, uh, say, increases like uh, when we have now, you can take, for example, 70%, I would say, of uh, heat treatment furnaces are run on gas, and gas is coming from Russia, and that is uh, increasing the heat treatment cost, and that's not so easy to recover that. And there is a number of other things. And I myself, and I hinted that a little bit at the year end, I'm really worried about the secondary inflation. When the farmer needs to recover his diesel oil, our food prices will go up. They have already go- gone up. And uh, that will come. And that's very, very unpredictable for all of us. At the same time, it could be a great chance as well for the industry to turn quicker to a green industry get our co2 footprint down because now when the prices are higher there is uh, ways uh, quicker to recover in installing uh, different what say green electricity and to convert uh, gas fired furnaces into electricity electricity as well so there is some opportunities in this and it might uh, make us greener quicker than before the war.
0: Another challenge, and one you've alluded to already slightly, has, has been the freight issues, kind of get, getting access to containers, getting the containers kind of from Asia into Europe, and also the, the prices regarding containers. Kind of, how has this impacted kind of European fastening manufacturers?
5: Uh, not so much directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mainly with the people who are doing trading. And uh, uh, I don't think there is any European manufacturers buying steel, for example, in, from China. Maybe some tools, et cetera, uh, are being handled and bought out there, but uh, not a great deal. Uh, has it
0: maybe created opportunities for companies with, with customers looking to source more locally within Europe rather than Asia where there are these these issues.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think we have two trends. First that companies are bringing home production to Europe which will increase the demand in Europe. And the second, uh, it simply gets too expensive and unpredictable with the lead times as well then so you can't have this uh, continuous flow of material that we have got used to during the last 20 years so yes uh, i'm sure this will will affect have affected yet but it's also very difficult to put a number of that
0: of course yes and kind of looking forward what are ep's plans for the upcoming years
5: yeah, we have many plans. <laughs> First, we want to be more noticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have been hiding very much uh, and uh, not being very open. Uh, so at the moment we are having an um, doing a little bit internal work that will come out. How we are going to activate EFI as well then and be more uh, uh For the benefit of our members, especially then, and also how much uh, or how we can make ourselves known and being a partner in the market.
0: How do you see the shape of the European faster market changing kind of over maybe the next five years? And what challenges do you see for, for big and small faster manufacturers?
5: I will very much answer that in the same way as I've always done. I think the consolidation in the industry will continue. It's been like that, and I don't see any reason why that is uh, going to stop. Uh, I think the big ones in Europe, they will continue to grow. They will be healthy. Um, The small ones, they're very much specialized. They're very flexible. And with that way, they will also continue to grow and be healthy and maybe stay small then, but have a place the difficult one is for the one stuck in the middle the middle size who hasn't got the uh, scale of economy or the flexibility and uh, they will have a difficult time I think
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, the co2 tax uh, previously kind of one of the big topics at the moment um, is sustainability and how do you think Fastener manufacturers are approaching sustainability and how important do you think it will be going forward?
5: I think it will be very important. We need to get down our CO2 print in the industry. As I said before, uh, we use a lot of gas in the heat treatment process, which is very important in the fastener industry. We use a lot of other oil and other things as well. Then, And we definitely need to cut Our CO2 print and make ourselves a greener industry. And I think uh, for the ones who do not succeed with this, they will disappear. So it's extremely important for the industry.
0: Okay. Um, And thank you very much for joining us. That's been very interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ben. Have a good day.
1: That's not the only exclusive audio we have, though, for this podcast, is it, Will?
0: No, you previously discussed how Wired Dusseldorf exhibitors were feeling about the show taking place and, and the excitement. And with that in mind, I decided to speak to Liliana Gajewski, Portfolio Director for the European Fast Affairs, about the upcoming Fast Affair Italy show, which will be the first Fast Affair show in Europe since the pandemic. Um, here is Liliana talking about what is planned for the show and how it will compare to shows before the pandemic.
6: Yes, Fastener for Italy will take place from the 31st of November to the 1st of December this year. The event will allow manufacturers, distributors and suppliers of fasteners and fixing technologies to showcase their latest innovations to a national and international audience. The exhibition comprehends a product and services display for organisations operating within several industries and providing technologies like industrial fasteners and fixings, construction fixings, assembly and installation systems, fastener manufacturing technology, storage, distribution, factory equipment, information, communication and services. 150 companies from SMEs to many large multinational firms have confirmed their participation, covering 3,500 square metres of the exhibition ground. We have exhibitors coming from 16 countries, with a strong representation of firms from Italy, Germany and Turkey. Amongst the confirmed exhibitors, we have companies such as Ambrovit, Bontempi, Vibo, Bralo, Carlo Salvi, Chavesbau, Bau, Di Costa Giuseppe, D-Mark, FastBold, Lederer, Mevitalia, Piloni, some fasteners and many, many more. The event also features a conference theatre, again, so we will run seminars and presentations to discuss the latest industry topics and technology updates relevant to the whole supply chain. Fastener for Italy 2022 will be the first fastener fair show in Europe since the pandemic started and we are very excited to be able to bring the fastener and fixing industry together again for a live event. We are now able to run the show the same way as pre-pandemic, merging the exhibition with the staging of the conferences for learning and networking opportunities. Therefore, there is no difference in the event concept. We offer our exhibitors and visitors compared to before COVID-19. The only difference to consider here is more on the operation side, as we will look into safety measures to implement on site to comply with COVID-19 regulations. Of course, it's too early now to have a clear picture of what the rules will be later in November, However, we are working closely with venues and local authorities to ensure safety protocols are in place to keep everyone safe at our show in line with governmental requirements. And of course, as we did for the last edition, our dedicated marketing team will run a multi-channel PR and marketing visitor promotion campaign aimed at national and international key visitor groups. We will concentrate our marketing efforts on ensuring a high quality of visitors at the show to allow all our customers to make the most valuable connections and increase trade opportunities.
1: So what has the response been like from companies attending?
0: Well, Liliana was saying that the response has been quite positive, and especially the Italian companies are really looking forward to having a show back in the Italian market again. Here's Liliana talking about it a little bit more.
6: In terms of feedback, there's keen industry interest in Fastener for Italy 2022. From the conversation with exhibitors, customers and partner organisations, we can say that companies are eager to get back to live events and indeed the strong exhibitor participation in the Fastener Fair Italy 2022 is um, is a very positive signal indicating the industry's need to return to in-person events to facilitate business networking and trade and enable new sales opportunities.
1: It's so good to be getting back into the industry with Fastener shows and back to -to face-to-face meetings.
0: Yes, as a magazine we've always looked to embed ourselves within the sector and I think as things become easier we will certainly look to get back out there visiting companies and shows and making sure that we're reporting the news and information that our readers are wanting to hear about. As for this podcast, that's the end. Um, I hope you liked the new format. If you do have any feedback, positive or negative please do just email us at info at fastnetandfixing.com and and we will take it on board and we're always looking to try and get this podcast to give the information that our listeners and our readers are looking to get so that's everything from me unless you have anything else to add claire
1: No, nope, it's goodbye from me bye see you next time